بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يحده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فإن أحسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محتثاتها وكل محتثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار uh, So today's topic from uh, the creed of Imam Al-Tahawi rahimahullah is taken from the beginning of the treatise and it relates to some of the titles or descriptions of the Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So he says, after mentioning the Tawheed of Allah Azza wa Jal, the sentences at the beginning of the creed, after introducing the creed, mentioning uh, that we believe in Allah, the Tawheed of Allah, and the affairs connected to that, he then says, وَإِنَّ مُحَمَّدًا وَإِنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ الْمُصْطَفَىٰ And indeed, Muhammad is his chosen slave. وَنَبِيُّهُ الْمُجْتَبَىٰ And his chosen prophet. وَرَسُولُهُ الْمُرْتَضَىٰ And the messenger whom he is pleased with. He has chosen and is pleased with. وَإِنَّهُ خَاتَمُ الْأَنْبِيَاءِ and he is the seal of the prophets, وَإِمَامُ الْأَتْقِيَاءِ And the leader of the pious, وَسَيِّدُ الْمُرْسَلِينَ And the chief of the messengers, وَحَبِيبُ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ And the beloved one of the Lord of the worlds. So these are six or seven uh, descriptions which have been given, titles or descriptions which have been given to uh, the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and at the beginning there's a discussion about how this is connected to the Tawheed of Allah Azza wa Jal and the Shaykh, Shaykh Saleh Al-Shaykh he mentions a point here where if we look at the beginning of the treaties when he begins at the, uh, at the beginning of the treaties he says نَقُولُ فِي تَوْحِيدِ اللَّهِ we say regarding the Tawheed of Allah, مُعْتَقِدِينَ بِتَوْفِيقِ اللَّهِ Believing by the success of Allah, إِنَّ اللَّهَ وَاحِدٌ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهِ Indeed, Allah is one, there is no partner to Him. So He began by saying, إِنَّ اللَّهَ وَاحِدٌ And then after that, He then mentioned some other affairs. Then when He came to the issue of the Messenger of Allah Wasallam, He said, وَإِنَّ مُحَمَّدًا وَإِنَّ مُحَمَّدًا And indeed, Muhammad is the chosen uh, you know, slave. So the connection here is that because he said, or because he used the word إِنَّ إِنَّ اللَّهَ وَاحِدٌ وَإِنَّ مُحَمَّدًا There's a connection between the two things. There's a connection between the mention of Tawheed at the beginning and the mention of the Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And there are two angles to this connection. There are two ways or two angles to the connection 
between the mention of the messengership and the mention of Tawheed. What are those two angles? Well, the first angle is that the Tawheed of Allah is from the pillars of Iman, the six pillars of Iman. It is within belief in Allah Azza wa Jal. And the six pillars of Iman, they relate to all of belief. And from belief, or from the six pillars, from this belief, is belief in the messengers of Allah Azza wa Jal, sent by Allah Azza wa Jal. And the messenger Muhammad Sallallahu is from amongst those messengers sent by Allah Azza wa Jal. So therefore, he uh, speech about his messengership comes within the broad umbrella of speech about Iman in general. And Iman in general, at the head of that is belief in Allah and belief in his Tawheed. So this is the first connection between Tawheed and the messengership. The second connection is that the prophethood of the messenger, or the prophethood of Muhammad who is the messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that this is the tariq or the path towards Tawheed. Meaning that it is the avenue and the means through which Tawheed is known and Tawheed is learnt. Because it can only come from the, the root of the messengers. It can't come by way of you know intellects and by way of intuition and by way of you know these kind of uh, things, but rather it comes by way of the messengers of Allah, alayhi salatu wasalam. And so for that reason, we see the ayah in Surah An-Nisa: "Rusulan mubashirin wa munzirin li Allah yakunu li nasi ala Allahi hujjatun ba'da rusul." That messengers sent as those who give good news or glad tidings and those who warn so that mankind will not have any proof against Allah after the sending of the messengers after the messengers so these messengers have been sent and they establish the proof they call and invite to tawheed they establish the evidences and the proofs for that and Allah's hujjah is established by way of the, of the messengers so this is the second way that there is a connection between the, 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 the mention of the Messenger of Allah and the Tawheed of Allah Azza wa Jal. And of course this is implied in the Kalima anyway, uh, the Kalima, the, the Kalima uh, to Tawheed and the Shahadatain. So as for these descriptions that you heard at the beginning, that we read at the beginning which Al-Tahawi mentions, so from these descriptions are that the Messenger is a slave, an Abd, an Abd. And from them is that he is a Nabi, a Prophet. And from them is that he is a Rasul, a Messenger. And from them is that he is Khatam, Khatam al-Anbiya wal-Mursaleen. That he is the seal, the seal of the Prophets and Messengers. And from them is that he is Habibu Rabbil Alameen. Habib, the Beloved, one to Allah, the Lord of the Worlds. And from them is that he is um, the imam of the atqiya, the imam, the leader of the pious, and that he is sent to the jinn and men, and uh, to, to the whole, whole of jinn and men. So what we notice then, what we notice then at the beginning is that in the Quran and the Sunnah, when you look at the actual titles which are given 
to the Messenger of Allah, we see that they revolve around three things, whether in the Quran or whether in the Sunnah. Uh, first of all, the label of Al-Ubudiyya, Al-Ubudiyya, which is Abd. Abd, a slave, which indicates Ubudiyya. Ubudiyya means servitude, that one who is in servitude to Allah Azza wa Jal. And the second is An-Nubuwa, which is prophethood. He is the Nabi, the prophet. And the third one is Ar-Risala, which is the messengership, because he is Ar-Rasul, or he is the messenger. And we see this clearly in the Quran. There are many examples. Uh, for example, at the beginning of Surah Al-Isra, Subhanallahi Asra Bi'abdihi, that glorified be he who took his slave Bi'abdihi on a night journey. And وَأَنَّهُ لَمَّا قَامَ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ يَدْعُوهُ كَادُوا يَكُونُونَ عَلِيهِ لِبَدَا This is in Surah Al-Jinn. Speaking about, again, the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi when he stood invoking Allah فَأَوْحَى إِلَىٰ عَبْدِهِ مَا أَوْحَى In Surah Al-Najm. When he speaks about how revelation was given to the Messenger of Allah, he referred to him as عَبْدِهِ his, his slave. So these are clear examples uh, that we see uh, in the Quran. And there's an issue here about prophets and messengers and how there are three types of, uh, three types amongst the prophets and messengers. There are those who are just prophets. Just prophets. Then there are those who are prophet kings. Prophet kings. And obviously they are superior then, just the prophets. And then there are those who are slave messengers. Slave messengers. So just prophets, and then prophet kings, and slave messengers. So prophet kings would be Dawood and Suleiman, alayhim salam And... The ordinary prophets, we know there are many of those. There is Adam, there is Hud, uh, uh, just the ordinary prophethood. And every messenger is a prophet by default, so there would be many that fall into this category. Uh, but the slave messengers and the most, the, the most superior of all of them are all slave messengers. So if you look at uh, Nuh salam and... Uh, Musa alayhi salam and Ibrahim before him alayhi salam Isa alayhi salam and Muhammad sallam, they are all slave messengers and so this is the most excellent uh, level amongst the prophets and messengers and so the description of ubudiyah that someone is a slave that's what we find in the Quran this is ikram. This is, you know, giving nobility to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, because Allah Zawajal is the one who gave him that name, gave him that particular uh, title. And so, whenever we speak about the Prophet, it is necessary that we always stick to the words and the titles that he's given by Allah Zawajal. So we say that he is Abd, and we say that he is Nabi, that we say that he is Rasul, and we don't. You see, there's many other titles that are given by those who exaggerate and who, uh, you know, say things which are excesses above and beyond what we find in the Quran and the Sunnah. 
So it is important that we stick to that language and those titles and those descriptions that we find given to the Messenger of Allah in the Quran and in the Sunnah because it is uh, something that Allah chose and it is Allah giving nobility to His Messenger by way of that. As for the first three then, Abuduhu al-Mustafa, his chosen messenger, Nabiyuhu al-Mujtaba, sorry, his chosen slave, and his chosen prophet, wa Rasuluhu al-Murtada. All of these titles are taken from verses in the Quran. Right, so these are titles that Tahawi didn't bring from himself. So what are the evidences for each of these three? He says, the first ayah is Surah Al-Hajj, Surah 22, verse 75. So in this ayah, Allah Azawajal, He says, Allahu yastafi, yastafi, which is for istifa, yastafi min al-malaikati rusulan wa min al-nas. Allah is the one who chooses from amongst the angels, messengers, and from amongst men. So this is now al-istifa, being chosen. And that's why he's called Mustafa, al-Mustafa, the one who has been chosen. And as for the chosen prophet, then we see that in Surah Al-An'am, Surah 6, verse number uh, 70, or 87, Allah he says, Speaking about the messengers and the prophets. That we chose them, وَجَتَبَيْنَاهُمْ وَهَدَيْنَاهُمْ And we guided them. So therefore this now is a chosen prophet. A chosen prophet. And as for Rasuluhu al-Murtada, the messenger with whom he is pleased, then this is taken from Surah Al-Jinn, towards the end of Surah Al-Jinn. إِلَّا مَنْ إِلَّا مَنْ إِرْتَضَى مِنْ رَسُولٍ Speaking here about how revelation or you know, uh, information is conveyed, it is only given to the one with whom Allah is pleased with of a messenger. إِلَّا مَنْ إِرْتَضَى مِنْ رَسُولٍ Except the one with whom Allah is pleased. So therefore here we have رَسُولُهُ murtada So all of these are clear from uh, the Qur'an. And... Uh, this leads us to the next uh, discussion, and this is a discussion of what is the difference between a prophet and a messenger, a nabi and a rasul. What is the difference? And this issue is something that has been discussed in length amongst uh, the scholars. There are a number of different views, different opinions. Uh, we'll just define what these two words mean first, and we'll come to the, the, the essence of the issue. So as for the word An-Nabi, An-Nabi, the word An-Nabi, it is taken from the word An-Nabwa, An-Nabwa. And An-Nabwa means something which has been raised. Al-Irtifa' means something which is raised. And why is a prophet raised? He's raised in the sense that he has been revealed to. And he has been granted information. So on account of that information and that revelation that he is raised. He's, he's raised above others. So this is Nabi, the meaning of Nabi. The linguistic meaning is to be raised. 
And the connection between that and revelation is that by way of revelation and receiving information, he's raised above others. So this is An-Nabi. And as for Ar-Rasul, Rasul, Rasul is simply the one who carries a message and he conveys that message. He carries a message and he is he conveys that message. So he has a risala, a message, and he conveys that message. So this is in terms of linguistically uh, the meaning of an-Nabi and ar-Rasul. There's a detailed discussion about the technical meanings and the views of the scholars. But if we just come to that which is most correct, what is the most correct regarding a prophet and a messenger and the difference between the two? Well, the answer to that is that a prophet, a prophet, a nabi, is the one to whom Allah has given revelation. He has revealed something to him and he's revealed a legislation to him which he must stick to himself, right? This revelation and this law is for himself to act upon. Or he conveys it to a people who are already in agreement with him, right? Who are in agreement with him. So a prophet, a nabi is one who receives revelation and a law, a shar, a law, and this is for him to act upon himself. Or it is for him to convey it to a people who are in agreement with him. Meaning, they are not in opposition to him. They are in agreement to him. This is the definition of a Nabi. And as for the definition of a Rasul, a messenger, then a messenger is the one to whom revelation is given. A legislation is given and he is ordered to convey it to a people who are mukhalifin, who oppose him. They are in opposition to him. Right? So this is the difference between the two. What, what, is the, what is the separating thing? It's not the fact that they receive revelation. It's not even, according to this, this view, it's not even that they are ordered, that they are ordered to convey it to someone else. Rather, it is to do with the people to whom they are ordered to convey it to. With the Prophet, those people are not in opposition to him. They are already believers in him. Like we see with many of the Prophets of Bani Israel. With some of the Prophets of Bani Israel. But as for the one, as for, as for a messenger, it is the people are those who are in opposition to a messenger. So the people of Nuh salam were in opposition to him. Likewise, Ibrahim salam, and uh, likewise, uh, Musa salam, and Isa and Muhammad So this is the essential uh, difference between them. And as we said, it's important to note that in this view, receiving a revelation, receiving a book is not the thing that distinguishes between the two. Rather, it is the issue of whether the people are muwafiqeen, are in agreement, or mukhalifeen are in opposition. And um, there's a point here about the connection between the prophets and the scholars. Because in the the hadith in which the messenger of Allah says, وَإِنَّ الْعُلَمَاءِ 
Warathatul Anbiya. Why did it say Warathatul Anbiya? They are the inheritors of the prophets. And the reason is here that the that the scholars are simply continuing the job of conveying the message to a people who are already in agreement, right, with the message. Right? So the scholars of Islam, they teach Tawheed, they explain the Sharia, they explain the rulings, and they are conveying this knowledge to a people who are already in agreement. Hence, the scholars are inheritors of, the word used is Al-Anbiya, rather than being inheritors of the messengers. Right? The inheritors of the prophets. Because they, in essence, they continue whatever role the prophets were doing. They continue uh, conveying the revelation, explaining, explaining the revelation, making it clear to the people, and so on and so forth. This now brings us to the next issue. And the next issue is, how does a prophet become a prophet? How do a prophet, how does a prophet become a prophet? How does a, a messenger become a messenger? And how do we know that they are truthful? How do you know that this prophet or messenger is truthful? And what is the difference between a prophet and a messenger and the common people? What, are the, what is the difference? And what is the difference between a true messenger and a true prophet and the one who is a false prophet and merely claims to be a prophet? All of these are very, very important issues. They are crucial issues which have been discussed in the past and in which many groups from amongst the Muslims, they made mistakes. They made serious mistakes when they were debating these issues with philosophers or atheists or non-Muslims. And they were speaking about these issues about what is a prophet? How do we identify a prophet? How do we know he is truthful? What's the difference between him and the common person? What's the difference between him and... Um, you know, false claimants to prophethood. How do we know, know these things? And if you do not speak about this issue with the right knowledge, the right foundations, the right principles, then you will make tremendous mistakes. And these mistakes were actually made by Ahlul Kalam, the people of Kalam, like the Ash'aris and like the Maturidis and like the, the Ash'aris and the, the Mu'tazila, the Mu'tazila, they made mistakes in this issue. So, to discuss this issue, uh, let's mention some of the various viewpoints first of all. Regarding the first question, what is a prophet and how does one become a prophet? There are numerous views, and we'll mention the ones which are misguided first. And I will come to that which is in the Quran and the Sunnah. So, so first of all, there are some people, uh, the philosophers, and so amongst the philosophers are those who are obviously disbelievers, and there are those who, 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 who were in the, the Muslim nation, and they were affected by this uh, philosophy, right? So they basically said that the prophets and messengers are simply men who have really strong, powerful faculties, Right? They have excellent hearing. They have excellent vision. They have excellent memories. 
They have excellent recall. They have excellent, powerful imagination. They can imagine things that the, the common person cannot imagine or think about. And likewise, they, they are able to um, therefore see, understand, reflect, imagine things that the common person is not able to, to understand. And so this is really how and where they become prophets. This is the nature of their prophethood. And what they do is, because of their powerful imagination, they are able to invent things. They are able to invent things and tell stories. And through these stories and these things which they invent, they are able to make people live happy moral, ethical lives, right? So in other words, what they are trying to say is that prophethood is something that certain people can acquire because they've got certain skills and powers above other people, right? And this, this, is, what, this is how they explain, how they explain uh, uh, prophethood, that it's a capacity that men have, but only some of them can actually develop. And this obviously is false, it is kadib, it is a lie, it is batil, it is false and futile. Rather, we know that prophethood is something chosen. It is something granted and Allah chooses those whom He wants to make prophets. It is not something that any person can acquire by himself. You can't, for example, improve your memory, go on a course and you know, be able to memorize you know, books and names and cities and locations and have, have a develop a superb memory. Nor can you, you know, learn how to become a leader, a good manager and a leader. Nor can you go and learn, for example, NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. How you use, you know, words in order to control the way and shape the way people think and their emotions by the specific uses of, of words, right? NLP. You can't learn all these things and then become a prophet. But this is the kind of thing that the philosophers say about the prophets. Right? They, they, they are skilled in these types of affairs and they know how to control and manage people. Right? So this is false. This is not correct. This is the view of the philosophers. The second uh, is what is said by the Ahlul Kalam. These are the people of speculation, speculative theology. They try to uh, speak about Islam and its evidences purely by way of reason and rationale. But they make mistakes in that because they don't rely upon the Qur'an uh, fundamentally. So they don't start with, with the Qur'an. And so their view is that the way we come to know prophethood and messengership is only through the root of miracles. A prophet and a messenger is only a prophet or a messenger because he performs miracles. And uh, this was the view of, as we said, the Ash'aris, the Mu'tazila, and they were followed by some other scholars like Ibn Hazm, Ibn Hazm and others. And so their criterion was, their criterion was, that a prophet is the one who performs miracles, and everyone besides them do not perform miracles. Right, so this now is the sole criterion, the only thing that therefore makes a prophet a prophet according to them. Now, one of the consequences of this 
was that this led these people to deny the reality of things like magic and the tricks of the magicians, right? The reason why they denied magic and the tricks of the magicians is because they reasoned, they said, well, if other people are able to do things which are extraordinary, which are not normal, then this means that we we have no thing by which we can distinguish a prophet from other than a prophet. Why is this? Because they made they wrongly made the criterion of a prophet only to be in miracles. And when they restricted it to that one thing, then they looked at, you know, magic takes place and weird things happen and uh, magicians do tricks and things of that nature, then they said all of that is is does not is not real and true. It's just mere imaginations that people have about, you know, magic, the, the jinn and things like that. It's just imaginations and in the mind it's not real and true. Right? So a consequence of this view is that they denied the reality of magic and they also denied some of the tricks that, that are done by the by the magicians and the soothsayers and the fortune tellers and so on and so forth. Now, amongst them, the Ash'aris, they added something else. They said that, yes, miracles are a proof, but there has to be something else. Because we know that magicians do things out of the ordinary, and other people do things out of the ordinary. So how do we know what's the difference then? And they added something else. They said it is because a prophet makes a challenge. He makes a challenge, right? He says that I am a prophet, and he is an evidence, he is a miracle. Right? And when he makes the challenge, if he is a true prophet, obviously he's a true prophet. If he's a false prophet, Allah will falsify that person from doing a genuine miracle. Right? This now is the view of the Ash'aris. Right? This is the view of the Ash'aris. Now the problem in all of these views, there are, there are problems in all of these views, and obviously we don't have the time and the length to go through all of those. Uh, but the problem in a nutshell is that they have restricted the proof of what makes a prophet a prophet and what makes him truthful and what distinguishes him from others, they restricted it only to one thing. And that is miracles. As...
So the problem with the people of Kalam is that they restricted the proofs of prophethood or the proof of prophethood to only one issue. And that is the issue of miracles. And even within this issue, they made serious mistakes. Serious mistakes. And for that reason, we see that some of the scholars in the past, they wrote books dealing with this issue. The most famous of those books is Kitabun Nubuwat. And Nubuwat, the book relating to the prophethood. This was written by Shaykh al-Islam, Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala. And in there he clarified this issue in detail and explained the mistakes made by these people. But as for the view of Ahlul Sunnati wal Jama'ah, the third approach then, it is that prophethood and messengership, its evidences are many. It is not restricted to any one thing. It's not restricted just to miracles or to, you know, the... Uh, the uh, prophecies of the Messenger of Allah, the many prophecies that he made. It's not restricted to just the Qur'an, as if the Qur'an is the only evidence. There are, other, there are many evidences of the prophethood of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So in summary, we can say that they come into um, three categories. There are, scholars have differed in terms of how they categorize the evidences. There are different ways you can categorize. But in, in a nutshell, we can say, number one, there are ayat and barahim. There are signs and evidences. This is one category, right? So we will look at things that come under this category. Ayat and barahim. Ayat and barahim. Secondly, and this is from the greatest of them, is that when you look at five things in any person, you look at what a person, you look at his khabar, khabar. What information is he giving? Is he giving? You look at his amr, amr, his command. What does he command? You look at his nahi, what is he prohibiting? You look at his qawl, what is he saying? And you look at his fi'l, what is he doing? Right? Every person you can look at with respect to these five things. So when you look at the Messenger of Allah or the Prophets, and you look at them from these five things and evaluate everything, this is from the greatest of proofs that distinguishes or which identifies a Prophet from a non-Prophet. Right? This is the second category now, which is really the hal or the, the state and the condition of the Messenger of Allah or the Messengers of Allah. And the third thing, the third general type of evidence is the fact that we know through history that Allah He aids and supports His prophets and He abandons and humiliates those who are the false prophets. And He never makes for them a lasting mention amongst the people. For that reason you see that the most remembered and the most mentioned and the most influential of all people upon this earth are the prophets and the messengers. So we hear the names of Adam and Nuh and Ibrahim and Musa and Isa and Muhammad, the most mentioned, the most praised of all of, of mankind. This is Allah giving success and aiding them and supporting them whilst abandoning and humiliating and silencing and causing to be forgotten 
the false claimants or the you know, the false claimants to to prophethood. So the point being, there are there are numerous ways and numerous things. It's not restricted to just one thing. There are numerous angles that we can look at. Now let's move to the first of these three that we mentioned: al ayat wal barahin. Right now, notice that this is the Quranic language. In the Quran, there is no mention of the word miracle. The word mu'jiza. Mu'jiza is something that was used by the people of Kalam. The word mu'jiza means something which makes someone else incapable. Something that no one else can uh, reproduce or imitate or do. This is the meaning of the word mu'jiza. It is that which renders someone else incapable. This is what it means. But that word has not been used in the Quran. In the Quran... The words used by Allah to, re- to refer to these types of things is ayat, signs, and barahin, barahin, evidences. And so the, the, there is a discussion here about you know, which word should we use. And we should always stick to the Quranic language. We should always use the word signs and evidences because that is the Quranic language. As for mu'jizah, uh, this became discussed and in a way it's not entirely wrong to use the word because if you look at the nature of the signs of Allah and the evidences of Allah which he gave to the prophets and messengers, they are things which other people are incapable of doing. So for example, the Quran the Quran is a mu'jiza in the sense that no one can mimic it, no one can reproduce it. Likewise, the miracles of the prophets and messengers like the parting of the sea and the raising of the dead as Isa was given those types of miracles right no one else can mimic or reproduce those things so from that angle yes it is it is a description of the signs and evidences of Allah that they cannot be reproduced right and they prove the truthfulness of the prophets and the messengers because no one else no magician no fortune teller No people like that can do any type of trick or do any type of magic or play any type of games in order to mimic these types of, you know, signs and evidences, right? So, ayat, barahin, and they are things which render incapable those others who might, uh, you know, uh, disbelieve. That's why in the Quran we see a challenge, (coughs) قُلْ لَإِنِ اجْتَمَعَتِ الْإِنسُ وَالْجِنِّ عَلَىٰ أَنْ يَأْتُوا بِمِثْلِ هَذَا الْقُرْآنِ لَا يَأْتُونَ بِمِثْلِهِ وَلَوْ كَانَ بَعْضُهُمْ لِبَعْدٍ ظَهِيرًا Say that if the men and the jinn, all of them gathered together in order to come with the likes of this Qur'an, they would, never be, they would not come with the likes of it, even if they were aiders and supporters to each other. So this then... Uh, is the issue of ayat, barahin, the signs and evidences of Allah. There are many signs and evidences. From them is the Qur'an, the greatest of them all. And from them are other things that we see which are reported in the ahadith. And these are all of the various miracles of the the, the, the Prophet ﷺ. The fact that uh, uh, we know that... um, Sometimes there would be food which would become abundant and feed many people. Sometimes there would be water flowing through which many, many people would perform uh, wudu. 
there would be things that would speak, inanimate things that, that are able to speak, like the tree or a pebble that makes tasbih. All of these are things which enter into the signs, the baraheen and the ayat of the prophets in general. And there are those of the other prophets, like the she-camel uh, given to one of the prophets, uh, uh, and uh, you know the, the, the parting of the sea, as we mentioned, of Musa salam and the miracles given to Isa salam all those things are from the ayat and the baraheen of the prophets and messengers. So many things come under that. And the greatest lasting miracle is that of the Qur'an. The second thing that we mentioned was when you look at the information, command, prohibition, speech and action of a person. And this, in fact, the scholars mentioned that besides the Qur'an, this is the greatest evidence. Aside from the Qur'an, this is the greatest evidence of the, uh, the, the true prophet. Why is this? This is because... When you, when you look at any person, you take his life, and it is a must that a person interacts with others, right? He's got to inform you of certain things. He's got to tell you what to do and tell you not, what not to do. He's got to speak about things, and he's got to act himself. If you live with a person or interact with a person for a period of time of a year, five years, ten years, fifteen, twenty years... Right then, it will soon become clear. It cannot be hidden that this person is either an imposter, a liar, or that he is truthful and coherent. Right, there's no contradictions. He's truthful, and everything that he is saying is 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 wise and true and beneficial. Right, you can quickly come to realize whether a person is an imposter or whether he is whether he is truthful. Truthful. So when we look at the Messenger of Allah in relation to all of these uh, five things, and uh, we we see from the beginning to the end of, 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 of the prophethood and the messengership, we see that everything, it, it fits together. He never told a lie. Every information he brought, for example, he made many prophecies. He told about past events. The people of the book never declared him to be a liar because they know those, knew those things to be true. He told about current things which are happening right now at, at, at the time. He told about future things from the minor signs and the major signs of the Day of Judgment, which the, the minor signs appeared and they, became, and they continue to appear. right? And they all happened exactly as he said. right? So nothing in his khabar, what he informed, is, is, is wrong. In what he commanded, what did he command them with? He commanded them with truth, with justice, with tawheed, with righteousness to parents, with prayer, with remembrance, with charity, with everything he commanded. You can tell that this is what the genuine prophet commands with. What he prohibited them from, right, from shirk and kufr and murder and stealing and things which damage and harm societies from, from, from gambling, from fornication, from, from adultery, from you know, uh, theft and all these things. From that, you know that this is what a genuine prophet would, would, would command. When you look at his statements, his speech, when you look at his, his action itself, the whole of that put together, you see no contradiction, no incoherence. The law which he brought, all of it makes sense and fits together. The laws work with each other rather than clash and contradict each other and conflict, conflict with each other, as we see uh, in the laws of, 
you know, others besides, uh, besides the prophets and messengers. So when you bring all of that together, you can see that you can see clearly see a picture which shows that this is a genuine, truthful uh, prophet. And anyone who claimed to be a prophet whilst he was lying, then Allah would soon expose him and soon humiliate him. But we see with the Messenger of Allah, this never took place. Rather, he was aided amongst, first of all, amongst uh, against the Arabs, the aggressive Arabs. Then against the biggest nations of the time, the Persians and the Romans. They were defeated by you know, the followers of the Messenger of Allah So all of these are clear, apparent, abundant signs of the truthfulness of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And if we see that in the Qur'an, if someone is an imposter and a liar, then Allah Zawajal, we see in Surah Al-Haqa, وَلَوْ تَقَوَّلَ عَلَيْنَا بَعْدَ الْأَقَاوِيلِ That if he was to fabricate against us some statements, لَأَخَذْنَا مِنْهُ بِالْيَمِينَ We'd have, we would have taken him by the right, the right. ثُمَّ لَقَطَعْنَا مِنْهُ الْوَتِينَ We would have severed the, you know, the, 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 the vessel. فَمَا مِنْكُمْ مِنْ أَحَدٍ عَنْهُ حَاجِزِينَ And there is no one uh, amongst you who would be able to you know, avail or prevent you know, uh, that. So that? Allah Azawajal, that is in Surah Al-Haqa, Surah 69, verses towards the end, Surah 44 to onwards to 47, to 47 or 48. So if anyone was to make a false claim, he was an imposter, he was a liar, then he would indeed be humiliated by Allah. Even some of the disbelievers, when they, when they said about the Prophet, they said, Sha'irun, he's just a, 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 a poet. All he's bringing is poetry. Sha'irun, natarabbasu bihi raybal manoon. They said, we're just going to wait for him and soon some accident or something's going to, you know, something's going to happen to him anyway. Why? Because he's a liar and an imposter. So even though those pagans of Quraysh, they knew that anyone who is an imposter and a liar, that all they have to do is just wait for some time and he'll soon be humiliated and eliminated and something will happen and, you know, something will befall him and, you know, he will be exposed. But they were obviously wrong in that because the Messenger of Allah was a genuine and a truthful to the uh, truthful uh, prophet. And so in response, in response to this claim, when they made this claim, نَتَرَبَّصُ بِهِ we'll just, we'll just wait and bide our time and we'll see. Then Allah Azawajal, He revealed to the Prophet to say to them, He said, قُلْ تَرَبَّصُ فَإِنِّي مَعَكُمْ مِنَ الْمُتَرَبِّسِينَ He said, Allah Azawajal revealed the verse and He said to them, Say to them, You wait, you wait, then I am with you amongst those who wait. Meaning that we shall soon see, to see who is truthful and who is, you know, who is, who is uh, upon uh, falsehood. So all of this indicates clearly that uh, the prophets are aided and supported. And this is one of the clear evidences. And that's why when we look in history and we see Allah Azawajal, He raised the prophets, He honored them, He made their, their mention to continue throughout the ages. And that's why we speak today of the messengership of Nuh salam, of Ibrahim salam, of Musa salam, of Isa and Muhammad all of them are remembered. They are from the greatest of those who are remembered.
So, this then brings us an end to that particular discussion. Uh, we'll finally finish very quickly, uh, it's time for prayer, with just one more issue, which is that uh, we've now established that the prophets and messengers are chosen by Allah. We've looked at what makes them a prophet. We've looked at, you know, there are numerous things that make them prophets and that there are signs and evidences and we look at their situation and so on and so forth. But apart from that, apart from revelation and being aided and supported, what is it, what, what else do we, do, do we believe about the prophets? And the answer to that is that in, in all other respects, they are just like ordinary men, right? What happens to men, ordinary men, can happen to them. So for example, in terms of, uh, one example is, the first type is, what about in terms of health and sickness and disease and, and death and those types of things which happen to, to men? In that respect, they are just men. And these things afflict them as well. Rather, in terms of illness and sickness, the prophets are inflicted and afflicted more than ordinary people. Right? Meaning that the diseases and the illnesses and the pain, the threshold of the pain, right, that is much greater for the prophets than those less than them. So the prophet Ayyub, salam, the affliction which he befell him for many, many years, a very severe trial that, that befell him. And likewise, the messenger of Allah, the, the, the illness which he had towards the end of his, of his life, a very severe illness. And in fact, he said to uh, Ibn Mas'ud, uh, when he asked him, when he saw that the messenger of Allah was in pain, he said that, is, is, is the pain and the fever that you have, is it like severe? And the messenger of Allah said, yes, indeed, I feel, I, I'm, I feel pain equivalent to, the, to two men amongst you. And so, so this is the first thing then, that the prophets and the messengers, they, they have illnesses, they have diseases, but these illnesses and diseases have no effect upon their message or their messengership or their prophethood. Meaning that, that they are ill or diseased or sick does not impact anything that they convey to the people of revelation. Right? So this is the nature of their illness and sickness. A second thing that we should discuss as well is in relation to whether the prophets and messengers sin. Right? Whether they commit sin. And the answer to that is that with respect to the prophets and messengers, they, they never ever commit any major sins. A prophet when he is a prophet, or a messenger when he is a messenger, they are free from falling into any major sins. Right? So no prophet or no messenger, whilst he is a prophet or a messenger, has committed any uh, major sins. So we do not believe or accept that. But as for minor sins, those things which are minor sins, then that which is correct in relation to minor sins is, there's a number of explanations which the scholars give. First of all, minor sins themselves are of two types. The first type of minor sin is a minor sin which would actually affect the truthfulness of a prophet. Right? Some minor sins have implication upon the truthfulness of a prophet. Those types of minor sins, the prophets and messengers do not fall into them. Right? 
because they 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 would impact the truthfulness. So the the, the, the prophets and messengers are free from those types of minor sins. But there are those types of minor sins which are simply from the the tabai, meaning the, the 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 nature of 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 men, and they could be, for example, uh, let's say there could be errors of judgment. For example, let's say there's one beneficial thing, and then there is an even greater beneficial thing, right? There are two beneficial things, right? One is greater than the other. So what you do is you choose the lesser beneficial thing rather than the more beneficial thing, right? There's no harm anywhere, right? But the lesser beneficial thing has been chosen. This now is an error of judgment, right? A normal person would not be criticized for that. A normal person, right? A normal person who is not a prophet would not be criticized for that. But because the standard of character for a prophet is much higher then a prophet may be criticized for that right this is a minor sin this does not affect the truthfulness of the messenger or the prophet it does not impact his character or his integrity but he might be criticized for that and an example for that is in the quran surah al-abasa where the messenger of allah there was a blind man who wanted to know, wanted to learn, wanted to be purified, he came, he, he, and then there were some nobles of the Quraysh. And so the messenger of Allah you know, uh, he chose, uh, he turned away from the blind man, and then turned to the, 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 the nobles of Quraysh. But he did not know that, you know, the one who truly wants guidance, the one who truly wanted guidance was, was the blind man. So this is like an error in, in, in judgment. And, it doesn't impact the truthfulness or the integrity of, of any prophet or messenger, but it is something, you know, that, that, that would fall into this type of thing, which does not impact, which does not uh, harm or impact the, 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 the prophethood, uh, you know, in that sense. So, so in relation to those types of things, then yes, then some of it is possible, it is ja'iz or it is uh, permissible, that some prophets might fall into into that, right? This is what we say that it is permissible that some of the prophets might fall into that. And finally, we'll finish with the final point. Uh, that's the, that's the fourth and the final point we'll finish with is that some the prophets and messengers have some specific things, specific qualities. Uh, three we'll mention. First of all, that all prophets and messengers are male; they are never female, right? They are never female. Secondly that prophets always live in cities or towns. They are, they are not living remotely as Bedouins. They live in they live cities and towns. And thirdly, that every messenger is always rejected. Right? He's always rejected. No messenger has come except that he has been rejected by, by, his, by his people. And uh, the point being that there are many, many uh, areas of study of prophethood and messengership. We've mentioned some essential issues in this lesson. And um, uh, to, to finish, we should mention an important point that some ignorant Muslims, they speak without knowledge and they start making claims and they make someone a prophet who is not a prophet. So they say, for example, that maybe Buddha was a prophet or maybe... 
Socrates or Plato or prophets, all of this is kadib, it is a lie against Allah to, to claim that the likes of these people who were, you know, I, some of them were idol worshippers, some of them were star worshippers, right? It is not permissible to say that someone is a prophet except with ilm. In the Quran, Allah has mentioned the names of 25 prophets. Outside of that, we believe in general that there were prophets and messengers that were sent, right? Uh, but we cannot start saying this was a prophet and this was a messenger and this because this is this is telling lies upon Allah and speaking without knowledge, which is from the greatest of, of crimes. So we'll conclude with that there, inshallah ta'ala. These are some benefits that we took uh, from the issue of uh, you know descriptions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We'll conclude there and we'll continue on another topic inshallah ta'ala in our next lesson. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.